Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about conversions, about how you can convert to get more results, sales. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Khalid Saleh. How are you? I am doing well. I love that intro, man. Like, yeah, there, there you go. Another reason for using StreamYard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think uh, someone in, in my team is responsible with that. You know, I usually uh, tell them, please create something creative, new, unique. Don't copy others, stand out from the rest. And yeah, they can create short intro and all something like this awesome. Yeah. awesome. okay uh, i remember our first episode you shared a lot of value about conversion rate optimization i know how it's important especially when you have traffic relevant traffic but you can't convert it you can't monetize so yeah it's a big issue with many projects i know some people who have this issue as well before we start just tell more about yourself remind about your background and why you decided to share with us more about conversion rate optimization sure so uh like you mentioned my name is uh, Khalis Saleh I am the CEO co-founder of Invest one of the first conversion rate optimization companies in the U.S we started back in 2006 I sort of fell into conversion optimization so in a previous life long time ago nowadays i feel i feel old as i say this i used to be a software developer went through uh, university computer science graduated and i saw the path you know i was like oh i'm gonna be an amazing software developer and i managed to reach the point where i was a software architect well back in 06 i'm doing this project 05 actually end of 05 uh, 2005 i'm doing a project for motorola it's kind of a dream project for a software guy yeah, because mm -hmm. they had the budgets. I mean, you know, $50 million, they can, they can spend money. You, you have to give it to Motorola back then. Mm -hmm. And whatever, whatever they like, you know, we suggested, they said, go ahead, implement, you know, we want to do this. We want to do that. And of course, as a software architect, you get to assign the tasks that you don't like to your, you know, your engineers and, and senior engineers, and you keep the, the kind of the best tasks for yourself, which is exactly what I did. In the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, gosh, man, they're spending $50 million. It was a silly question because I was, I started to wonder, I'm like, are they going to get the traffic? I don't think they're going to get the traffic. Me, software developer, that's what I was thinking. Well, we spent about three months working on the project. I had a team of 120 engineers spread globally. We go live. And not only did they get the traffic, they got so much traffic that the site, although it has 16 servers, I still remember 16 Sun Microsystem servers, which are really beefy, it, they went down. And I'm like, oh gosh, well, we didn't really, we, we've calculated everything except the traffic. I'm like, okay, it's a different problem. Well, anyways, we spent a couple of hours bringing the servers back up. And then they ran into a different problem that I haven't even thought about at that point in time. First 30 days, they had 10 orders. That's it. Mm. Imagine this. You spend $50 million, <laughs> 10 orders. Uh, long story short, some people lost their job um, mm -hmm. because they don't really think about conversion. Myself, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, oh, well, this is, this is an interesting problem. And I initially approached it from a technical perspective, correct? Here's the engineer who's trying to figure out this problem. 
But slowly, as I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, this is a much deeper problem. You know, as an engineer, you look at everything as an algorithm. Oh, if I change this, this is going to happen. If I change that, this is going to happen. If I remove a field, you know, if I make the forms a little bit shorter. And then I discovered that, well, conversion optimization or trying to improve conversions for websites is a lot more complex than algorithms. Um, because in an algorithm, it's just defined, correct? Here's a structure, here's if A, then B, if C, then D. It's very well defined. Well, when you're trying to persuade people to convince them to buy, to part away with their hard-earned cash, guess what? Um, it's a lot more difficult. you got to figure out the human mind and the human algorithm. And, and humans are magnificent. Mm -hmm. uh, and we make contradictory decisions all the time, but it is such a delicious problem, if I may say. Um, and that was 16 years ago. And since then, you know, we, at that point in time, by the way, when we first started in conversion optimization, it was not even called conversion optimization. The, the term was not even invented. Uh, it was invented about nine months later in a small gathering in Austin, Texas. I still remember that. Uh, the Eisenberg brothers came up with the name. And I'm like, oh, so that's what we do. And then the Eisenberg brothers are kind of like, you know, really set the tone for the whole for the whole industry. And, you know, uh, the, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I love your story. I think, you know, storytelling style is a must have in marketing. You know, if you want to sell more, because I see when uh, companies submit a lot of features, you know, it's boring. It's not interesting. Even Apple, you know, when I check out their presentations, they share story. You know, they don't try to convince customers. Uh, we have great Apple Watch, iPhone, anything. You know, they share stories how their gadgets can help to decide our problems, to simplify lives. Can you tell more about storytelling style? How it's important to use this format uh, in uh, pre-landing pages? Not landing pages where we are going to sell, but about pre-landing pages. Uh, because I see when companies ignore it. You know, they create just landing pages and think about conversions. But sometimes we need to bring value first. According to a few studies, uh, remember that people uh, want to get value first before buying products. Uh, yeah, and you shared the story. So uh, yeah. let me know more about storytelling. Sure. Story. I mean, imagine this. Let's, let's take this wild ride. Let's say you got appointed right now as the CMO or the VP of marketing at let's take you know uh, 1 800 contacts so you're selling contact lenses correct mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, you don't look like you wear contact lenses i do uh, i'm wearing my glasses right now but mm -hmm. when i order contacts so i get the prescription from the doctor's office okay i look at the prescription i'm like oh well now they actually make contacts for i have very heavy astigmatism which means when i wear contacts my eyes get really irritated and I can't see half of the time. I'm like, oh, and, and my wife looks at me. She's like, why are you wearing contacts? I'm like, it looks nicer. She's like, well, yeah, it looks nicer, but uh, you can't see. So I got the prescription. <laughs> now there's prescription contacts for me that not going to irritate my eyes. And I'm like, oh, how much does this cost? So I can order it at the doctor's office. It's 500 bucks. Okay, great. Well, I, I want to save money. I don't want to spend 500 bucks every, every six months. So I go on the web and I search and here the site pops up on 800 contacts and their competitors, easy contacts. And I go and I'm merely making the decision at that point based on features, correct? I have the prescription here. I've put it in, I put it in 1-800 contacts and I put it in 
uh, easy contacts. Oh, 1-800 contacts is actually cheaper the first time because they give you 20% discount. So I place the order with them. Second time, now I have to get a refill. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about the doctor's office because that's more expensive. And now mm -hmm. I'm comparing the two websites. And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, what if I'm the CMO? This is a really scary problem if people are merely evaluating you based on price, correct? Because you become yeah. a commodity. Um, and that's where storytelling becomes really powerful. If, if I'm just merely, if, if you allow the consumer just to compare features, you've lost the battle, by the way, because the battle becomes a battle around price and battle around price, unless you're a Walmart, correct? <laughs> or you can actually use yeah. <laughs> everybody. No, you need to add those stories. And it's fascinating to me because I, I still have my iPhone, what is this, iPhone 11. Mm -hmm. If you really think about it, there's no good reason, uh, regardless of what Apple says, there's no good reason to upgrade from an iPhone 11 to iPhone 12, from iPhone 12 to iPhone 13. I mean, the features, what you're getting on an iPhone 11 are pretty close to what you're getting on a 13 or 14 for that, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> if we're just, if Apple is competing merely on features and here's the megapixel for the camera and here is the battery lifetime they've lost that battle but what they do mm -hmm. is they compete on stories and guess what apple takes it to a whole other level because there's a cult following that every year is waiting for the new iphone to be released and i look at them and i'm like dude why are you standing in line i mean i i, I actually surrendered and i'm like you know what maybe i need to upgrade upgrade to the new iphone so i go to mm -hmm. the local store and i'm like oh let me upgrade thinking that i can get the phone right away and the guy looks at me and he's like really where have you been living um it will <laughs> take about a month and a half to get the phone and i'm like oh gosh a month and a half <laughs> people are waiting because what they already have the iphone 13 they just want to upgrade but because you know there is a gravity of this new solution there's all these beautiful stories that apple had created around the new iphone if they if people are just merely evaluating based on features apple would have lost that battle but it's about the stories correct and that's what you see in their presentations and they've taken it to a whole other level because they have a cult following that's just absolutely enamored with their with their product loves the product and just waiting for the new release they'll buy it this year and they'll buy it next year so that that commitment mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing Love it, love it. Uh, by the way, you shared two different customers. The first customer uh, are willing to stand in line, you know, uh, to get uh, iPhone as uh, quick as possible. Uh, and you, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm on the same boat because I have my iPhone. I don't care when I can update. It works. So, yeah, why I need a new iPhone? Probably when uh, it doesn't work good, so I can change it. Can you tell more about uh, how to learn customers? I think Apple can learn, you know, uh, various customers and understand uh, how to present products. Uh, but many uh, companies still use uh, generic data. Uh, they uh, don't care a lot about customers. Uh, they just check out studies, online tools, but it's not a good idea. I think the era of lazy marketers is that. So can you tell your... Uh, methods of learning customers and understand what kind of content to create to them. Yeah. So th think about humans and how we make decisions. There are always forces, circumstances, things that push us to make 
a decision and then there are forces that pull us away from making a decision so let's think about this. we'll go back to the iphone we're, we're we're helping apple over here not that they need help kind of analyzing their marketing the current situation that you're in might force you to make a decision if my going back to my wife um she also doesn't like to upgrade her phone but she manages somehow every year within a month or two months to break her phone her screen is almost constantly broke um <laughs> so guess what when the new iphone comes out the current her current situation and what she is going through correct those push her to make the decision because the phone is broke i gotta make that i gotta make that decision um at the same time so that's one factor correct your current situation your phone is fine you're like oh, i don't really need to upgrade there's mm -hmm. another thing that sometimes attracts a certain set of customers, and that that thing is something magnetic about the solution. So going back to the iPhone, the new release attracts a certain set of customers. For us as marketers, it's extremely important to understand what are the pain points that people pain points that people are dealing with that will push them to make that decision. That's you know what? I've had enough. I am gonna go ahead and buy the new iPhone, you know, I've had enough. I gotta get like, you know, some plants planted outside. I've had enough. There's something always that happens in the life of a person where they say, that's it. I'm dealing with this problem today. Those are the things that you have to understand. And those are different for different groups of people. But if you're talking regularly to your customers and you start, I always start the conversation every time I interview a customer to tell them, so, uh, Tell me, what was going on in your life that day when you decided it's time to, you know, go ahead. Today is the day that I'm going to buy the new iPhone. Today is the day that I'm going to buy a new car. Today is the day that I'm going to fill out this form and just contact this website. And then they'll tell you, actually, you know, this problem happened. Um, we had moved to a new, a new house and we have a nice side yard. And I look at it and I'm like, gosh, man, we have a school across from us. And I'm like, I don't like the fact that we don't have privacy. I just don't like it. And I'm like, eventually I want to plant a whole bunch of trees. And so I would have privacy, but I'm like, I'll just wait on the project. Who wants to spend like, you know, a few, few hundred dollars, even a couple of thousand dollars on this. I'm like, no rush. Mm -hmm. I keep on looking at it, getting annoyed by it, but I'm like, no big deal. Until school starts. And then I see kids coming from the school and jumping to our side yard. And all of a sudden I'm like, uh-uh. The pain became so strong that I'm like, I got to do something about this. And it's funny because I start thinking about myself and analyzing myself. I'm like, I guess it is painful enough that is going to push me to make a decision. Now, as mm -hmm. marketers, we need to understand, okay, those are the forces that are pushing people to make a decision, but there are things that pull you away from making a decision. For example, you know, the current status quo. Uh, maybe I can wait. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I mean, it's annoying that kids are coming to the to the side yard, but I can wait, correct? Every time you think, oh, my phone is okay, I can deal with this. Yeah, the screen's a little scratched up, but I can wait. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And then also there is a huge other force, which is basically you're worried about the new solution. Well, you know, what if I plant a whole bunch of trees and they die, correct? You're worried about that. What if I get the new phone and maybe maybe google pixel the pixel is better than the iphone maybe i should consider uh maybe they will have better deals on this if i wait for a couple more months so as you talk to customers you want to say so like i said you start with the first question what was going on in your life that day when you decided to pull the trigger so they'll tell you the problem 
But then you go back. It's like, hey, so when was the first time you thought about this? Oh, well, you know, I've been thinking about planting the trees for three months. Um, why didn't you act back then? Well, because, you know, I was worried about the budgets and I was worried about like, you know, how long it's going to take to plant them. And I was worried about if they die. If I'm a marketer and I'm listening to this, this is a wealth of information because guess what? Whether in my ads, in my emails, on my landing pages, I need to address those concerns. So, oh, you're worried about the plants dying? I'm going to give you a one-year warranty. Plant them. And, uh, you know, if they die within the next year, you can pull them up. Oh, you're worried about how long it's going to take you. It actually takes less than five minutes to plant a plant. Oh, you're not sure how to plant the plants. Oh, here's a video that explains to you how to plant. Thinking you as a marketer, your job is to discover the human mind, discover all these things that run through it and address them, address them, address them where somebody says, I have this objection. You're like, oh, I know it's mm -hmm. here. Here's deal. Here's how we deal with it. I have this other objection. Oh, you're worried about price. Oh, we're going to give you a best price guarantee on the plants. Mm -hmm. That's the concerns. And that's really how, by the way, the minute you create that, you are creating an amazing experience for the person who are going to buy uh, amazing, really shopping experience and amazing experience dealing with your business. And I think, by the way, that's what Apple does really well. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, pain points. You mentioned uh, some uh, kind of pain points, uh, but uh, how to choose priorities? For example, I can't submit all uh, pain points, uh, for example, how our products can help, because I often see when uh, pages are overwhelmed with uh, our products are great with that, 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 a lot of points. But, you know, simplicity is key, you know, yeah. When customers don't understand uh, what kind of products, uh, you know, they can balance, forget about the product, so something like this. Can you tell uh, how to choose priorities when you create content uh, with pain points that uh, are most important for our customers? Yeah. So I, I go back to customer interviews and every time we work with a company, we tell them, hey, a lot of stock to like you know, 10 of your customers, 10, 15 different, different segments. Mm -hmm. And we go through like, hey, what were the objections? What are the pain points? What was going on in your life? And then, and this is beautiful because you can start categorizing them. Listen, you know, out of the 10 people that I talked to, eight mentioned this problem consistently. Mm -hmm. Only two mentioned this other problem. So you can start figuring out that, oh, this, this is a very, very common problem. So you start prioritizing those problems. Now, let's say you talk, let's say you have 100,000 people coming to your website or to your product and you've interviewed 10 people. It's difficult and it's scary to make decisions for the 100,000 based on what 10 people say, correct? It's like, uh, yeah, maybe it's a small sample. Maybe I'm not sure if those mm -hmm. represent actually the, the people of my target market. So what we do, we do those interviews, we do the prioritization, and then we conduct much larger surveys to say, hey, are you dealing with this issue? And then we ask people to validate and then we start collecting data and we collect that data over two weeks to a month so that's when on-site polling for example surveys email surveys are very powerful because they allow you to validate the inputs i, I i'm very comfortable to say 90 percent of the time we're spot on what mm -hmm. those 10 people usually represent you know the population which is amazing if you think about statistics mm, that's a very small sample size but lots of times in 90 percent of the cases you are spot on 85 percent of the cases there are still instances 10 15 percent where you're like hmm there's this other problem that people are mentioning that didn't even come up in our interviews that's when what do you do in that case 
you go back and you say, hey, we need to interview more people. Let's try and drill a bit deeper to see if we can actually hone in on this problem. Now, one of the things, so <clears throat> lots of times you discover the pain points, you prioritize them. And what people mm -hmm. do is look in their web copy, they come in and they say, oh, here's what we address, one, two, three, four, and they mention those. I always tell them, I'm like, okay, this is this is web 2.0. How about we do it completely differently? And they're like, how? I tell them, listen, we already interviewed people, so why don't we get some testimonials from them? And the testimonials will be the before and after. The before we were dealing with this problem, after, after using this product, here's how it solved my problem. And a good copywriter can actually create this in a beautiful way. But now you're using the words of the customer and how they describe the pain. And then you're using the words of the customer to describe the solution. Your customers are selling your solution. You don't even have to say anything. It's just customer stories. Here's the, and I always like to say the before and after tab, for example, for e-commerce or lead gen, where we say, you know, on like, you know, one of the main navigation areas is the before and after. And we have pictures of people before and after, before and after, you know, laid out. One of the best products that does this is Basecamp. If you go to their main homepage, you'll see the before and after, or, you know, they, they do this or on hey.com, H-E-Y, because that's their product before and after. How was your experience using email before? How is it after using hey? Very powerful. You, It's funny because you might not recognize that you need a new email browser or an email application. And you read hey.com and you're like, oh, Oh, this is so, yeah, I have those pain points. Oh, I haven't thought about them. Oh, maybe I need to switch. Very powerful mm -hmm. storytelling with mixed with pain points with beautiful copywriting can, can create wonders when it comes to conversion. Nice, nice. Yeah, interesting. Um, especially in weight loss supplements, I often see before and after, you know, because you can visualize uh, how it looks. <laughs> I mean, like body. Okay, let's talk about, uh, you know, once I read interesting uh, thing about uh, customers change their hard-earned money uh, with products if they believe that these products cause uh more than their money uh, can you tell how to provoke this feeling that uh, our products uh, bring a lot more than uh, money uh, because people can buy other products can buy something similar or uh, even uh, to waste them it's up to them uh, tell about provoking this feeling yeah i mean th think about this we always we have a saying correct you get what you pay for that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is. And we run we run a conversion optimization agency. And uh, lots of times people tell me, oh, you're too expensive. And I'm like, oh, you think we're too expensive? You know, you should see how much those other cheaper agencies actually going to cost you in the long run. Um, we play on that. And it's, it goes now, we're talking about positioning, correct? And by the way, the battle of positioning starts what? In the mind of the customer. You win that battle. Money is out there. No big deal. I am willing to spend, but you have to have the product also that delivers because one of the worst things that you can do is you position yourself as the premium product in the customer mind, and then they get the delivery and it's like, really? I paid <laughs> this uh, much for this type of product? So I was, uh, I love making kebabs, uh, which is funny. Like I, I love, like when I'm free, I will go and barbecue. Now, in the U.S., they don't sell grills that you can make kebab easily because they all have the, the the grill, you know, thing that like, you know, when you put the meat on it and the kebabs fall and maybe it's my style of making kebabs. So 
I'm like, I need to buy me a grill that I can make barbecue kebabs on. And my wife is sitting there like, really? Just another toy to spend? I'm like, yeah, but this is it's my hobby. I go on Amazon and I see these grills. And literally what I did, I'm like, let me go for the expensive one. So I buy one that's $170. The next one was 40 bucks. I'm like, uh, 40 bucks is probably like not going to be good. I'm going to buy the $170 one. Place the order. And then they had a ton of reviews. People love it. Only three left in stock. So Amazon is just playing it really well. Correct? Like, you know, the reviews, the three left in stock, scarcity, this, that. And in my mind, I'm, I'm buying a premium product. I get it. And it is so tiny. I, I set it up and I'm like, I'm just shaking it. And I'm like, dude, you know, this thing is going to fall apart. But I'm going to try it. Might as well. I've already ordered it. And I, I do my first like you know barbecue on it and it was made of aluminum and it left marks and i'm looking i'm like did i just spend 117 dollars on this so of course they have a 30-day return policy i'm like it's back with a bad review you know i order the 40 bucks grill it's the same exact one i couldn't tell a difference but guess what at 40 dollars, my expectations were a lot less well it's only 40 dollars, you know no, no no big deal how you position yourself as a premium brand, if you have the more expensive price, you actually tackle it right ahead. You don't try to play around with it. Yes, we are more expensive because we are premium. You know, yeah. um, we are premium because we don't, you know, we don't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't do this. Um, as a service, as an agency, one of the things that we do, whenever somebody comes to us and as they're going like, like, hey, we're interested in working with you, so we'll, we'll present to them. Before anybody signs a deal, and, and I, I firmly believe that we are a premium service, I always tell them, let me show you some deal breakers. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, reasons why you should not work with us or we're not a good fit for you. And I would list five different things where I tell them, if any of those things match, listen, even if you're willing to give me money, you're going to get upset in three months. No need. Mm -hmm. Let's walk away as friends. And, you know, you'll you'll email me every once in a while, but there's no need to give me money and get upset with me in three months. Again, I recognize that I have a premium brand and I'm very protective of the brand and I'm pushing people away to say, mm, I'm not interested if you don't match the criteria. Um, and I, I tell them, listen, from the get-go, every company we work with stays with us on average 39 months. If you are somebody who's looking just to work with us for two or three months, we're not a good fit. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you want to pay me, but I'm not looking. For, I'm like, I tell them, like, you know, lots of agencies will tell you, oh, we'll do month to month. We'll do four months. I tell them, no, you know, one year is not interesting to me. Two years, yeah, three years relationship. So are you ready? <laughs> that means I have to put a lot, but you have to put a lot. Again, I'm establishing myself as a premium brand because I recognize the value that's, that we bring. But if, if you're running, regardless of what you're running, whether you're on an e-commerce website, uh, if you have a product, if you're SaaS, if you're a lead gen, what would it take to become the premium brand to charge more? That's number one. Recognize that. Number two, make the promises. Number three, deliver. Correct? You got to do those mm -hmm. three things because you can be a premium brand. You recognize that, you know, but you don't make the promises. You don't like, you know, you don't, uh, if, if you got it, flaunt it. Correct? So that, that's the trick and then deliver on it. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I agree with you uh, about that. Uh, by the way, can you tell, um, for example, how to explain? to customers, potential customers uh, about your premium uh, 
uh, services. For example, uh, I often have this issue when people are asking me about the price, SEO price, and when I share, they reply to me, oh, in, I don't know, I can order a hundred times uh, less in Fiverr, many other places. Okay, do it, guys, sorry, I have no time. You know, uh, I remember when I tried to explain them. No way, you need to understand premium version is much better about quality, not quantity. Uh, then I got it. Uh, why I need to waste this time? Probably uh, I have no this time, you know, to explain all the time why premium is much better. And I found one interesting thing: people get back when they try uh, cheap services uh, when they are looking for better price. Then uh, after wasting some time, they can get back. So uh, that's life. Uh, can you tell about your premium version? Uh, how? Why premium version is better than? Uh, I mean, like uh, from. Uh, I don't know, like companies who uh, just started their ways or have no enough experience, yeah. you know, to provide this version. Just uh, about your uni yeah. unique selling proposition. Yeah, I mean, like, so usually we don't even talk about I mean, the customer has to come to that realization on them mm -hmm. by themselves. And if I'm selling conversion rate optimization services, hey, I'm going to help you improve conversion rates. Eh, I've lost the battle, by the way. I've lost, and I can recognize when I've lost the battle. The battle in the mind of my customer or potential customer is about what are the pain points that you have? Everybody comes to us and says, oh, low conversion rates, we're not happy with that. And I tell them that is just merely the tip of the iceberg. Let's drill a little bit deeper because this problem that you're like, you know, really keeping you up at night and bothering you and making you decide to talk to me you know, on a, this beautiful afternoon as opposed to really going and hanging out with your kids or playing a game or watching some soccer game. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's probably many underlying problems. So you drill deeper. We drill a lot deeper to talk about, okay, let's talk about developments and how you're making decisions. Let's talk about customers and how often you're talking to them. Let's talk about uh, data and are you really using data? You start talking through this and through the process, you can see that the person you're talking to is starting to recognize how dire the situation is or not dire, correct? They might say, oh, I don't have a problem here. I don't have a problem there. I don't have a problem there. And I tell them in that case, maybe we're not a good fit. And you have to be ready to walk away if you're not a good fit because you're looking for those companies that you are going to provide the most value for. Those companies that you'll provide the most value recognize how huge the problem is. Let's say I'm selling SEO services. Well, have you tried in the past to hire writers, for example, let's say content writers? Yeah. And how was the experience? You know, how would you rate the experience? Oh, the quality was really poor. Like, you know, they made excuses. They delivered content that was just plagiarized. They delivered content that didn't generate links. They Okay. So you recognize all these problems. You want, yeah. again, going back, like, okay, well... You've recognized all these problems. Now, let me show you how I'm going to solve each one of those problems. Guess what? I am going to deliver content on time. I am going to deliver unique content for you. I am going to deliver content that's generate links. I am going to get you links throughout reach. Um, you, they've mentioned all the problems. And now I'm like, hey, yeah, let me show you exactly how I fix each one of those problems. If you do that, guess what? You've established yourself as like, oh, wow, because I've had such a bad experience, correct? I don't want to go back to the cheap solution. <laughs> I recognize yeah. that in order for me to fix these problems, yeah, okay, I am willing to pay a premium. Uh, it, it, it's funny. You can get a logo designed on Fiverr, I think for five bucks, correct? This is very, yeah. very cheap. It's like five, ten dollars. 
or I think the most expensive logo was about $2 million. A two or three million. I forgot who paid for it, but you can you just, you just Google the most expensive logo. Now, let's let's if if I get the two logos, the five dollar and the two million, is there going to be a huge difference? I mean, the, the, I, I assume there will be a difference, but I don't know if it's worth like you know one million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred nine like nine five dollars. It's a battle that that creator of the experience of the expensive logo had won. In the mind of the customer, correct? Yeah. I mean, okay, a beautiful logo design might cost, I don't know, not to offend any logo designers out there, but a beautiful one might cost me 500 bucks, a thousand, not a million or two million, correct? Yeah. Uh, somebody paid that much for the, uh, you know, for the privilege of working with that specific logo designer. Um, so again, the battle, the, the, I always say, if we're going to go down to the discussion around price, and by the way, this applies to everything. Service providers, e-commerce, you've lost the battle. You have lost the battle much earlier. You're, you're coming towards the end and you're better off. Let's backtrack. Let's go back and see where we lost the customer at which step of the way. Um, we're talking to a company out of the UK. And I look at them and I'm like, I'm like, I told him that last week. I'm like, I wouldn't hire us. We're too expensive for you. Um, you know, I'm like right now, given the revenue, I always say like, you know, we should not cost more than one or 2% of the company's revenue. And we have our staff. Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at 7% of their annual revenue. I told him, does this make sense? He said, listen, in the last three years, we've hired other people. And every mm -hmm. year we pay one, 2%. He's like, I wish from the get go three years ago. We've just hired you guys and solved the problem and got it over with as opposed to this death by a thousand cuts because it's painful. Let's just do it once and for all. Let's just fix it and let's just move on. And I'm like, okay, that is the right mindset. We've gotten him to the right mindset. We know that we can provide the value. So that that's that's an ideal customer. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see you know how to share uh, value. You know how to explain <laughs> in simple way. Uh, and by the way, guys, I wish everyone to allow uh, logos for $2 million, uh, like Google. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you can't, uh, as I can't as well, <laughs> so you <laughs> just uh, search uh, for uh, experience, people uh, who can uh, provide this experience, like, I don't know, not for $5, $100, $1,000. Yeah, I agree with you. that. Yeah. But I wouldn't buy a logo for $5. I mean, I think, uh, not to say that they're bad, correct? Because yeah. Gosh, you know, I mean, by the way, it's funny. The first logo we designed for Invesp back in 2006, mm -hmm. I think cost me 30 bucks, literally. And at that point <laughs> in time, I was even debating. I'm like, should I spend this? Starting the business 16 years ago, I'm like, oh, just like no one pays attention to logo. Nowadays, I'm like, no, I wouldn't do that. That's just, you know. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, so I wouldn't go with the five bucks, but I would spend 500 or a thousand. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know. And I know I know one of our competitors spent almost $15,000 on their logo. Now, mm -hmm. Is it a lot better than our logo? I don't know, you know, but I, I, I highly doubt it's worth 15,000, but all power to them, you know? It's all relative. Um, when I was in college, when I take a trip with my friends, you know, I mean, when we spend $200, I'm thinking to myself, college student, I'm like, gosh, that's expensive. Nowadays, I'm like, yeah, well, what am I going to do with $200? It's like, you know, that's not a trip you think about, correct? So it's all relevant to what stage in the business or life you're, you're in. 
Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, top mistakes. Can you tell top mistakes that uh, companies usually do? Uh, if you see from your experience, I mean, like they uh, because in SEO, I often see when webmasters uh, hire co copywriters who don't understand the topic, they create content, just rewrite existing, and they can't get results. They just wasted money, time, anything. Uh, what about conversion rate optimization? Can you tell top mistakes uh, in this point? So there, there are different types of mistakes that people make nowadays, and they're kind of two broad categories. In one category, it's the mistake where people just don't think about simple user experience on their website. Mm -hmm. Very simple user experience where, you know, when, when you come into an e-commerce website nowadays, if you think about it, you expect the uh, the you know, the, the search to be in a certain location, the logo to be in a certain location. You expect when you click on the add to cart, that's, you know, item got added to the cart. You expect if I'm going to select product options, there's probably drop downs or a way to select that. And it's impressive, or I guess that's how we stay in business. Uh, sometimes you come into a website and it's like, dude, what were you thinking on earth? So I was looking at the e-commerce website, simple e-commerce website, trying to place an order uh, for my kids, they play soccer, so I'm going to select a jersey. First thing, when I'm buying like, you know, a jersey is like before I click on the add to cart, I need to select the size. Very simple. I mean, it's just so intuitive. So mm -hmm. I'm looking at I'm like, um, okay, so I have a son who is 7, and I have a son who is 11, and I can't see the sizes for the life of me. Like looking at it, and I'm just puzzled. You don't want somebody to be puzzled when they're looking at your website because it should be like so intuitive. They should not think about it. Yeah. So I scroll down, and somehow they have a standard size, which is large. So if you click on the add to cart, that gets added. But if you want to select other sizes, you have to scroll below the description, and there are the sizes. And I'm like, okay. So somebody thought it was a good idea to do that. A store owner or marketing guy thought it was okay to do that, correct? And that's what they've decided to put on their web. So those are silly usability mistakes. Um, going to, uh, I was I was flying to Turkey, and this is about three four years ago, and Turkish Airlines had redesigned their website. So I'm like, okay, they and they spent, I think like you know, tens of millions of dollars for the new site design. So I'm like, oh, it's exciting. It should be so. I search Chicago to Istanbul. Um, and I see the listing of like, you know, the, the flights and I'm like, oh, well, how do I select? I mean, I'm, I'm clicking, but nothing is happening. Um, I'm just looking, I, I see like, you know, they have like four or five flights and I'm like, for the life of me, I could not hear somebody. And I was traveling in a week and I'm ready. I have my credit card in hand. I, and I've already decided I'm like Turkish Airlines, they have direct flight. I don't want to think about it. And I could not figure out where to click, you know, and I'm looking and I have a big monitor. And then somebody standing next to me, he's like, oh, you see that small arrow? I'm like, no, that looks like a dot. He's like, that's where you click. And I'm like, no way on earth. I'm like, why? Why? Like, it was such, like, why, why would you make the life of the user really difficult? So yeah. I, was, I always like to play this game whenever we have a company starting with us. And I call it the crying, as in tears down your, your, your face uh, game. And I tell them, listen. Go find somebody who's a bit older, you know, grandmother, grandfather, you know, somebody who's older, and ask them to come to your website and tell them, well, people, if I'm Turkish Airlines, people buy tickets. Can you just go ahead and buy a ticket from uh, from Chicago to Istanbul and just watch them? 
and cry because you will see how people surprise you. Um, you know, you're, let's say, a lead generation website. You tell them, hey, look, you know, just contact us, find the service and contact us and just watch how people struggle. Uh, many, many years ago, we did this study where we brought people and gave them a credit card and told them, go ahead and place an order. So we give them the, the they're not using their own credit card. I actually gave them the credit card mm-hmm. and told them, go ahead and place an order. So it was a study for buying an iPhone. And we told uh-huh. them to go on, here's the website, go ahead and find you know, the iPhone on the website and just place the order. This I still remember this. This one person tries to find the iPhone, gets confused by, by the search criteria. He's a very technical person. He gets so confused and then he goes back to Google and he searches. He puts the name of the site, you know, and then he puts iPhone. Okay. So mm-hmm. because he thought the site like in a structure did not work well. The only problem is that the first result was not that site. It was actually Amazon. So he clicks through to Amazon. He asks mm-hmm. his cart. He's going through the checkout process and I'm standing watching him and I'm like, uh, I don't usually jump on like, you know, user interviews. So, but then at that point, he's about to place the order with, with Amazon, with the other site, we're going to get a refund because they're clients, but now he's placing the order with Amazon. I'm like, uh, can you stop for a second? He's like, yeah. I'm like, why are you placing the order here? He's like, well, you told me to place the order. And I'm like, well, no, I told you to place the order on a completely different website. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm in a different <laughs> website. He didn't even recognize it. And I'm like, oh, that is so scary. <laughs> so that, that usability, that's one set of groups. Just get the usability done. Make sure that you test it really well. The other group, by the way, completely different, is the other group that has figured out, okay, we need to have the pain points and we need to have this and we need to have that because people are asking. But instead of structuring it the way people think about it, they just puke it on the web page. Oh, we have all this information. Bing, here it is. And it becomes overwhelming because you're like, oh, my God. Uh, how am I going to find the information? I mean, you have a ton of information, but it's not well-structured. You haven't thought about the visitor and their way they consume the information. And I would say 70% of the companies we work with, I always tell them, like, you have all the information there on the page. It's just not structured in the right way. We need just to move it around. We, You, you have everything displayed, like in a 2,000-word page. And I'm like, who's going to sit there? Yeah, somebody who's interested is going to read through most of that. But why don't you make their life easier? Let's restructure. Let's think about the design in a better way where we actually are going on that journey mm-hmm. in the mind of the visitor and helping them, presenting them with the right information. So those are kind of the two big mistakes at a very high level that I see companies do and website owners fall into. Love it, love it. Yeah, simplicity is key. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, and you remind me when, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I got one subscription uh around like uh, not expensive like 19 dollars a month and uh, i didn't use the service then uh, i got the message that uh, about payment 19 dollars i came to this website and couldn't find how to cancel the subscription so and i decided okay i have no time to check it out so uh in the next month uh month i lost uh, again 90 dollars and you know for six months i couldn't uh, cancel this subscription because i didn't have time you know just to open website uh to find it i, I tried i tried like uh, wasted five minutes 
without any results. I didn't know what to click. And after six months, uh, I got it. No way. I need to write to support team, you know, <laughs> to figure out. And after that, I just canceled. So, yeah, yeah. very annoying. <laughs> but it's not good for, uh, I think, for customer experience. You can't recommend such websites. I think it's better to uh, be tr- uh, tr- transparent as maximum yes. as possible with your customers. Uh, I have the final question for you. Uh, let's imagine you uh, have no experience. You started completely from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do to learn more about conversion rate optimization if you want to become a premium service in one day? The, the, there's two or three aspects correct to like you know becoming in, 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 in everything. I always say like just imagine let's say I want to become a bodybuilder and I'm going to compete. Well, you got to find the right resources, you know, correct. Like, you know, to, and, and that applies to any field of marketing, SEO, CRO, UX, you mentioned it. You got to find the right resources. You start with that. The problem that you face nowadays with Google is the resources when you search for conversion optimization, they're not necessarily the best resources, correct, about conversion optimization, but they are the resources, the best resources that have the best SEOs because they're mm-hmm. ranking for those for those terms. So it's kind of a mixed bag. So you want to find credible sources to learn conversion optimization. You've got to start with that. That's number one. Now, I'll just mention a couple of resources. CXL, which is a competitor of ours, but they have an amazing library. I mean, like, you know, really premium content when it comes to conversion rate optimization. So I always recommend it. Uh, people tell me, like, you're recommending your competitor. I'm like, no, it's not about competition. I would like to have more people who specialize in CRO. And I, if you are going to learn CRO, you better learn it from the right places. Otherwise, you're really not, you're not going to benefit. You think you're learning CRO, but you're merely scratch the surface. Uh, we do have a course, by the way, that's all ourselves as well. That I think we've had about 300 students that go through it as well, the conversion mastery. So that will give you the basis. But again, the basis, okay, so you went to college. I have a bachelor's degree. Uh, every time I interview somebody and they're proud of their bachelor's degree, my daughter is about to go to the university. And she's worried. And I told her, listen, when I hire somebody from college, I don't expect that they know anything. And she's like, what? Four years? I'm like, yeah. The whole point of your college degree is to show that you're able to start something and finish it. That's it. I don't expect you to know anything. So don't worry so much about it. And that's what I tell everybody who I interview. I'm like, it just shows me that you have the commitment. So now you've learned CRO from a good, credible resource. You have, just like working out, you have to develop the muscle memory. You got to practice. Yeah. The first client that we signed up back in 2006, I'm still proud of this, by the way, paid us $700 a month. That's it, $700 a month because we're just starting out. So we're learning. We don't even know what conversion. The name was not even invented back then. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, we made so many mistakes those first two years, kind of learning by, by, by trial, trial and error. And slowly we've improved. We slow. I mean, I, I look at where we're at nowadays and the analysis that we do and kind of the, the digging deep into the data and the wealth of information versus where we were 16 years ago. Well, guess what? We've developed the muscle memory. So you got to develop that muscle memory through practice. Um, I've had this one lady reach out to me and, and she has about five years experience in SEO. Incredible. She's like, hey, I want to move into CRO and this is the commitment that she had. She said, I am willing to come and work as an intern 
unpaid. Now, I don't do unpaid interns. I don't even do interns anymore. I discovered we're really not a mm -hmm. good company for interns. But I'm like, oh, let's have a conversation. Somebody who is mm -hmm. that eager, correct? So you need to find a way to practice. And then you try and join. Lots of times people come in and say, oh, well, I'm going to have my own practice. I'm like, well, how much experience do you have? CRO is a team sport. It's not a one-man one show. It takes a lot of effort. So how you need to find the right place to work for, gain that experience, and then you can go on, on your own. So you do that, you become really good in CRO and you become the premium service provider. Nice, yeah, love it. I, I agree, you know, uh, for me, actions, um, activity uh, are more important than uh, learning. You know, uh, mm. I think uh, modern system of education is obsolete, you know, when people learn a lot, but they do nothing. Uh, so, you know, people can forget about uh, some new skills for a few days. Uh, for me, you know, I can forget about for a few hours, uh, even faster than many others. Uh, and But when you act, when you uh, act through experience, you get the best skills, the best knowledge. And I completely agree with that. Uh, so I'm not against college, but I think uh, if you start working, uh, you can get much better experience than in college, university, at any other places. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's it for today. Uh, Khalid, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You always share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me to start with. I, I love having conversations like like these where it's just it's just flowing. So I hang out in the land of LinkedIn. So if you just search for yeah. Khalid Saleh, you'll find me there. Uh, usually I try and post regularly. Otherwise, you can check out our website, Invesp. And it's a strange name because lots of times think investment. I'm like, no, it's not the T, it's a P. So it's I-N-V <laughs> as in Victor, E-S-P, investpcro.com. So you can find me either on the website or LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime, you know, to share more value. I love it. Guys, you need to learn from Khalid and practice. Remember, if you act, you can get the best skills ever. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.